Welcome to the Naughty Child Podcast with me, Richard. And me, Polly. I'm the dad. And I'm the daughter. I did everything before I leave. I need to find that bag on my quiz. Alex Hartley took us off air in Brighton earlier this year. I'm a huge fan of Pepper. We thought we were really funny, so why doesn't everyone else think we're really funny? It's been the longest year ever, hasn't it? She's the most relaxed captain you've ever known. You got me through my flight from Mackay to Adelaide, so thank you very much. Well, my dog is now called Judy Anderson. <laughs> oh, well, Manchester Originals aren't supposed to be eliminated, so I've got to change my team. Yeah. Sophie is the worst. It's like having a child with you when she's on tour. I don't know whether it shows something about me or whether it just shows I'm a little bit stupid. Polly, anything happened since we last recorded? too much um there have been some really amazing things that have happened and then some really devastating things that have happened um so then let's start with the sad stuff um just to i guess get out of the way and not leave the podcast on a sad note um obviously last week uh last friday in fact there is the tragedy of rod marsh dying um i think it was the morning of friday um and then the most shocking, um, Shane Warne. I mean, two absolute legends of the Australian game. I mean, yeah. I, and, I mean, the, world and, game. and the world game, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and I think Warne's death in particular. Mm. I mean, Rod Marsh was sort of the same generation as my parents. Yeah, and so it's, obviously it is very sad when anyone dies, but when they're older, it's more expected. And so it doesn't feel as much of a shock as for example Shane Warne who was 52 which is you know almost the same age as you um yeah and and I just felt very upset yeah by it um and part of it is the shock you know but yeah. just you know the, just real sadness because yeah. you know someone who brought so much joy just just gone in in that moment yeah um I mean at first I didn't think it was real um because I guess with someone with you know such a high profile, a lot of hoax things can happen and stuff like that. So I guess my brain was like, no, it's not true. Like, don't believe it. Whatever. He's young. Everything like that. Um, and it, I mean, it's also the fact that he was commentating on the Ashes just a couple of months ago, mm. um, and suddenly that's just gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a real, real loss. Um, but someone that's left a massive legacy. Um, and in fact, I was just watching the Shane Warne documentary today, which I hadn't actually got around to watching. I finally did now. Um, which I said to you uh, after I watched it, I was like, I'm so glad that they did it then because it's normally that people talk about someone's life after they've died mm -hmm. and that person never gets to hear it. But actually doing that documentary, you know, some of his teammates, uh, opponents, his children all got to talk about him and their memories of him. And he would have got to hear all of that. Yeah. Um, which I, I think is really special. Um, and I guess linking on to that of something more positive uh, to go into the World Cup. So obviously there was a, there's been a lot of cricket happening this week. Um, and in fact, Australia, uh, the Australian men's team were in Pakistan. Mm -hmm at a time um and the women's team played against England um the day that they found out because mm -hmm. obviously because of time difference um people in Australia woke up to the news yes um and Alana King 
uh, took mm-hmm. a wicket and they um all the players had their their armbands on mm-hmm. um and she she held her armband and I thought that was a very fitting tribute because uh, I think she was there when he took his 700th wicket um mm. and as a leg spinner she is naturally very very inspired by him yes um, I, I think I write you saying that Alyssa Healy mm-hmm. who did the stumping yes yeah. the niece is the niece Ian Healy, Healy yeah yeah who was the wicketkeeper for most of Shane Warne's yeah, career. Yeah, so I thought that was very, very special. Um, so continuing on to talk about the World Cup, it's been mixed. From an England perspective, it's been hor- like horrendous, horrific, just not great. Well, in that we've lost two games, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. I mean, it's not been a complete disaster, however. Nazi yeah. century. Amazing. Brilliant. Yeah. Those runs against Australia, mm-hmm. really good. And and you'd, you'd imagine that set us up really nicely. Yeah. Um, but the defeat against the West Indies was careless. Yes. We should have won that game. hundred uh, percent. And, you know, part of it was unlucky. I mean, Crossy's mm-hmm. dismissal run out at the non-strikers end. Yeah. When, you know, you'd, possibly at a moment when mm-hmm. um, she was going to help to take us to victory. Yeah. Was unfortunate, but actually, you don't ever want to put yourself in that position where you're relying on your number nine, exactly. 10, 11. This is what, this is what I was saying. It's like, well, you know, for a number of times, it's been throughout the Ashes and now in the World Cup, it's been down to Kate Cross, Sophie Eccleston, and Yashov Soul to pick up the pieces. Mm-hmm. And it should not be that way because their job in the team is to bowl. Obviously, they have to bat, but their, their main role is not to to hit tons of runs. Yeah, um, and, and we front load the team with batters, don't we? Yeah. Um, you know, so we're batting right down to number seven, eight mm-hmm. with specialist batters. Yeah. So, you know, that's... They, between them, they should mm. be able to get some runs. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of questions at the moment about Lauren Winfield hill She um, hasn't scored a 50 for England since 2016. Yeah. That's and five I, and a half years. And you said this yesterday, this, that wouldn't happen in the Australian team. Um, and you think about Emma Lamb. She's desperate to get some more games with England. Well, and I, at this, I think about Eve Jones. Eve, Eve, Eve Jones as well. Obviously, <laughs> she can't really join now. But um, I, I th- in fact, Alex Harley said it in her article, she wrote for the Telegraph, and you said it yesterday. So, you know, great minds think alike. Um, but if you bring in Emma, Emma Lamb in now, well, what have you got to lose? Mm-hmm. Um, because, um, you know, if she doesn't score loads of runs, well, Lauren might not score many runs at all. So, in some ways it doesn't matter and bring her in and she might perform really, really well. And again, it's experience for her. Um, and so I think at this point, you know, what have they got to lose? And in fact, something I was really disappointed um, in the West Indies game is the fielding because England are a team that do pride themselves on their fielding and normally they're amazing. They take good catches, you know, they, they stop a lot of runs. However, the amount of just silly drop catches yeah. um yeah. which you know meant that the West Indies continued to score loads of runs and it was very preventable yes so I mean those who haven't seen it mm. Andy Shrubsall dropped an absolute dollar yeah. um but Lauren Winfield Hill mm. dropped a catch in the first over I think yeah or very early yeah. on uh Tammy Bonant yeah. dropped a catch yeah. Kate Cross dropped yeah. a course and bold opportunity um and it's in a sense, one of those in a game is forgivable. Mm. But when it's that many times. 
I guess as as the game continues, there is more pressure, especially when there have been rock catches. But I mean, it's not it's by no means an excuse because, you know, when you're an international player, you're supposed to deal with that pressure. That's yeah. part of the job. I, and the number of wides as well. Yeah, there were 22 one. wides or something like that. So mm-hmm. when you think about that, you're giving the opposition an extra run every time yeah. and an extra delivery. Yeah, yeah. Which just, no. Um, but moving away from England, because I just can't bear anymore. <laughs> Pakistan versus India. I was a little bit disappointed because um, I, I had real hopes for Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously in the men's game in the T20 World Cup, what a thriller of, um, what a thriller of a game. Yes. So I was really hoping that, you know, there'll be real excitement around this game. And in some ways there was because there was, um, Pakistan managed to get big collapse of India um, I think it was oh, I can't. It was five wickets for eighteen runs, something mm-hmm. like that, um, which was really really good. However, India were um, yeah were were stronger, which you do expect in terms of their rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, bit of a shame. Uh, and I guess there's a lot of contention and question now about who's going to make the semi-finals because I believe that for England to be in the semi-finals, it might rely on other schools going a certain way. So I think I think it is, um, there's like quite a high chance that they could be if they win all their games. Well, you can't but... get ahead of yourself, but mm-hmm. England have got seven games to play yeah. and we've played two so far and lost them both. If we win the next five games, we will be in the semi-finals. Yeah. That's, you know, without a mm-hmm. shadow of a doubt. And, you know, Due respect to Pakistan and Bangladesh, mm-hmm. England should win those games. Yes, 100%. But then India, Pakistan, New Zealand, South Africa mm-hmm. should win those games as yeah. well. I think the West Indies, or, or, or I think, are now almost certain to get to the semi final. Yeah. Um, so, and you'd imagine Australia are. So, really, realistically, it's mm-hmm. two from England, South Africa, yeah. New Zealand, and India mm. to join them. New Zealand have a very high chance. I mean, well, New Zealand beat India today. India are in trouble. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you see, there's a lot of questions uh, about, I guess, the Indian batting lineup. So Verma was left out. Yes. The most recent game, which is very interesting. Um, but yeah, just they're struggling again to get runs. Um, yeah. And again, it's down to the bowlers, which. It shouldn't particularly happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, kind of on the last point uh, with uh, New Zealand versus India, um, Lita Huhu, just incredible from her 10 overs. She got three wickets and went for only 17 runs, which is remarkable. Um, and again, New Zealand, Amelia Kerr, just I haven't got anything bad to say about her. She mm-hmm. is on fire at the moment. Um just remarkable considering you know she had a break from cricket um and she's just come back and been incredible um and is a real asset to mm-hmm. to the team and they do struggle without her i think maybe it was one of the warm up games where i think she got out on 5 and i don't think they won that game so she is a real match winner and um very very exciting player so you were doing some exciting things this week as well, weren't you, Polly? Yeah, so on Tuesday, I went to Lords, 
for the day for the symposium on the evolution of women's cricket. It's a fancy title. <laughs> it was essentially my EPQ, um, a lot of it, which it was good because it was reassuring, you know, to see, oh, okay, I've got that right, I've got that right. Um, so but, this is the big project you've been working on during this yeah. year? Yeah. Um, so I went down, I was a little bit nervous because I, actually, last time I went to London without you, uh, but I went with a friend, but this was the first time I was going, like, properly on my own. Um, so that was a bit nerve-wracking, but just an incredible day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, because I didn't, I'm, in fact, so I met up with Georgie from Women's Cricket Chat. Um, Hi, Georgie. <laughs> um, do you know, I mentioned about, I, I was talking to... Raph Nicholson about this how uh because she was saying in her podcast how sometimes because you know you don't know who's listening to the mm-hmm. podcast they'll give like Claire Connor a shout out or something like yeah. that and I was like my dad does this all the time we'll mention someone and he goes hi what whoever I know you're a big fan of the pod and I was just like <laughs> it's so strange I don't understand why you do it talking of Claire Connor she was supposed to be leading the event but she couldn't come because she dropped a dung belt on her foot at the gym the night before easily done which I thought mm-hmm. is typical um so yeah uh uh Raph Nicholson did like the introduction and she spoke about um she would talk about like her book. Essentially, it was like what her book contains about mm-hmm. the the history. So going back to the, the very first game and then the development all the way through. Um, and it's actually useful to watch that because part of my EPQ after your presentation. So I was like taking notes from that. <laughs> like, oh, I need to include that, whatever. Um, so that was amazing. Um, and yeah, there's a panel with former England players, which is really interesting. Um, then Amara Carr, who plays Sunrise in London Spirit, mm-hmm. um, was there along with Beth Barrett Wild um, and the head coach from Sunrisers. Um, and it was just an incredible day because, so I, I made friends with someone called Emma. Um, Hi, Emma. <laughs> and um, she just like came and sat by uh, me and George. She was like, oh yeah, I follow you guys on Twitter. I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, and turns out we had quite a long comment because she... Um, did a degree in history so she studied it for A-level and stuff so um we got chatting turns out we are very good at mingling with people and we kind of had a tactic of just like shuffling towards people and then make eye contact and they start speaking to us and it worked work in um, the room it's known as Paul. okay work in the room so I had a lot of very cool conversations with some a lot of important people um I spoke to Claire Taylor which is amazing um just, yeah, I, I had a lot of conversations and somehow ended up blagging my way into the dressing rooms of Lords and standing on the balcony looking out across the ground, which... Well done, just, well done. <laughs> if someone had told me at the beginning of the day I would have done that, I would have probably not believed them. I'd have believed it. <laughs> Blagger. Um, but yeah, I had some great conversations and it was just so nice to to meet a lot of people that I like followed on Twitter or mm-hmm. who've been really significant. In fact, I caught up with Catherine Bryce. Friend of the um, pod, Catherine Bryce. Yeah, he's been a guest on our podcast. Um, to be fair, I mainly spoke to her about unis and stuff and mm-hmm. signing up to you. Careers advice, yeah. Ex- careers advice, exactly. Um, but it was just a surreal day because the long room was full of women on International Women's Day and I was mm-hmm. like, this is pretty cool. I was like, I... I wish some of, you know, the men who had voted against this were here and could see this, how angry they would be. Um, 
but just really special. And I haven't been to Lords since the 2017 World Cup final. So very, very cool to go back. And in fact, we're going to Lords again. We are. So today we got tickets for England versus India. Mm-hmm. And then the day after the Rachel Hayhoe Flint final. 24th, 25th September. Yeah. So over six months away. <laughs> Wait, oh yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's a bit sad. It'll come around quickly. It's good to have something in the diary. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> um, I finished my level one coaching course last week and Congrats. I passed. Congratulations. I'm fully competent. Very well done. So if anyone wants coaching, I'm here. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, and I think... I, I mean, no one's told me I can't say anything, but um, I'm writing up something for Warwickshire Cricket Board about mm-hmm. it. So watch out for an article about um, that. Yeah, if you've not checked out Polly's writing, it's it's really quite good. Thank you. Um, uh, it's medium.com, isn't yeah. it? Your page you write In on? fact, I wrote an article for my school about um, my day at Lord's. So I think I'm going to copy and paste that and put it on um, Medium because... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually got a compliment from the lady who puts it all together. I was like, wow, wow. this is well that's pretty cool. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about, are, which actually feeds nicely into our guest, the contracts that have been announced today for the Ireland women's cricket team. This is massive. It is huge. This is this is a, you know, a million pound. Mm. Um, it is 1.5 million is being put into yeah. Irish women's cricket. Which is going to make a huge difference. 100%. Um, so there are three tiers of contracts, um, and they're all for slightly different things. So you've got your full-time professionals, mm-hmm. so that's like your central contracts. Then you have the tier down, which is like education contracts, so it's for people that are in education. So, for example, mm-hmm. Amy Hunter, who's still at school, or I think Gabby Lewis is at university. Mm-hmm. So people that are... But they can't necessarily give their full time yeah. because they're still in education. And then there's another tier, which I think is like, it seems similar to like a domestic contract. Okay. Um, but it's obviously still centrally contracted. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, it's amazing. And in fact, our guest for today, Mary Waldron, has received a full professional contract. So huge congratulations because that's a massive step and I I hope the transition goes quite smoothly because I know obviously it is a big big step up to go from you know being amateur to being professional. So we can say that our guest on the podcast this week is the newest professional cricketer in the world. That's actually true that's probably true I mean unless you know someone's going to announce it before (laughs) 6am tomorrow Um, but yeah, it's remarkable and it's good to see that the investment is there. Um, yes. And they're going to be playing against South Africa, Australia and Pakistan in the summer, which is amazing. I was looking at the dates and I don't think we'll be able to get over, which is a shame because some of it is in June, which is term mm. time. And then I don't know about July because I think it's... Well, we'll get into your grandma and she can go and be our <laughs> correspondent. Because <laughs> um, there's a game in... South Dublin, North Dublin, and just south of Derry. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, if you're listening from Ireland, please get to a game because we. I want big crowds there. Yes. Um, especially, you know, to support the new professionals. Very That's exciting. Um, so, shall we introduce introduce our guest? Yes, Mary Waldron. Mary Waldron. Auntie Mary. <laughs> Auntie Mary. <laughs> 
Right. <laughs> I know you said you might be related to her, but okay. <laughs> um, one thing you'll notice about this interview is there are birds chirping in the background, which is it's actually very nice to hear. Australian um, birds. Australian birds. Kookaburras, maybe. Maybe kookaburras, uh, because Mary is, in fact, she said she was coming back on the 11th of March, so she's probably not in Adelaide anymore. Um, but she was in Adelaide. Um, she umpires. She plays cricket. She played football for Ireland. I mean, there's not much else that she doesn't do. So shall we go straight into our chat with Mary? Let's go over to Mary. Hi guys, how are you? Very well. How nice uh, to see you, Mary. Thank you so much for uh, agreeing to come on our podcast. Yeah, no worries at all. No worries at all. Okay, it's got... not too early. It's not too early for you guys, is it? It's is nine it? o'clock. No, no, we've been up for ages. It's, it, very, even though it's school hot term, we've been up for ages. Right. <laughs> um, I right now I need to clear something up before we start. Right. Um, my grandmother was called Mary Waldron. Oh wow, that's unusual. Um, yeah. <laughs> so um, I never knew her, actually. She she died years and years before I was born. Um, uh, but she wasn't. She was from Preston, which is the town I'm from. But her, her husband, Thomas Waldron, was from Dublin. So I think we might be somehow related, Mary. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I have no um, I have no Waldron relatives because my dad had one brother. Now, my dad's about to be. 87 what day he's 87 and five days so his brother only brother died when he was a baby and then he's got five sisters who obviously have different surnames so I actually have no Waldron relations so we could very well be and I just don't know my family tree well enough there you go yeah so my mum tells me that that Thomas Waldron grew up in Usher's Key yeah do you know what my dad is from um Cork Street, which is very close to there. So there you go. We're definitely family married. Every potential. Yeah, yeah. Now Ireland obviously being the massive country that it is. (laughs) But Waldron is an unusual surname. So um yeah, you never know. That's good. Yeah, and and we we go to Ireland quite a lot because my mum lives there now. So even though I I said I grew up in England and we live in Birmingham, but um my mum's got a place in Tipperary. So uh Christmas and summer we're we're over there quite a lot perfect in the middle of nowhere excellent it, it totally in the middle of nowhere <laughs> yeah. yeah so how did you get into cricket because I guess it's uh, a bit more of a rare sport in Ireland yeah it is and I'm unusual like if you look at the team like there's a couple of brothers and sisters on the men's team and the, and the women's team so by that's very much family orientated um or a couple getting through school but I um got in through so I obviously played soccer growing up and when I went to university um, I just made friends with a girl on the soccer team there who she's her parents are Irish but she was born in South Africa and that's where she like found cricket and, and loved it and she just wouldn't stop talking about it and I was like what are you even talking about um, and we just became friends and I used to watch her play and the club actually that I joined is the club that I play for now and it's a very very social club like it's it's actually worth a visit if you um if you're ever that way um it's Pembroke in Dublin but it's um yeah so basically just through through a friend in university really 
Wow. So what are like the, I guess, the way to get into the national team? Is there um, like domestic setup in Ireland? Yeah, there is. So we have this, there's always kind of been a, since I've been playing a version of this, but it's much um, more structured now. It's goals are super twos, which I think is going to be super threes again. We we dropped it to two teams during the pandemic and um, just with people being stuck abroad and obviously not getting any international superstars over and things like that and um, so there's a yeah it's um it's yeah it's called a super two super three series and it's Ireland's funny in the terms of the, the locations that play cricket so Dublin is a huge population that play outside of that as you find in Tipperary probably not that many um, and it's growing again in, in Northern Ireland so what they do is they just mix all the, the top players in the country into different teams so it's not really done by region which I think probably would build a bigger following but really what we're trying to get is that bridge between global countries so yeah that's the domestic setup and we have you know, we have a panel of selectors who would travel to watch both club and domestic cricket as well. Yeah, and, and I guess, you know, when I um, think of Irish players, Gabby Lewis is the one that, that comes to mind uh, straight away who, who managed to get a contract in the 100 uh, last year. So I guess there's a kind of crossover to, um, to what's going on over in England as well in developing the game in Ireland. Yeah, um, and I think so. And I think part of, I think we were lucky in a way that the pandemic happened. <laughs> Certainly for, for some of our guys, we're able to go and play domestic cricket in England as as cover for international players who mightn't have had the chance before. But Gabby's um, Gabby's a superstar, really. She's um, She can hold her own at any level. So it was a great opportunity for her. But I think that'll throw up more opportunities for, for our um players coming through there's another girl at Warner Prendergast who I think is absolutely world class as well so she she'll certainly make a mark um over in the UK or the big bash if she gets a chance as well but yeah Gabby um yeah flew the flag for us last year doing us all proud and she's it's unbelievable to think she's only I think she's still only 20 years old and she's you know I remember her first game and she was only a baby but she's still a baby but one of our most experienced players now so mad yeah I suppose you compare her to Amy Hunter and she is a, an old pro, isn't she? Because uh, that was yeah. extraordinary, uh, her getting a century on her 16th birthday. Yeah, that was. Um, we, we certainly celebrated her 16th birthday for a hard honour. She was on the Cokes and we were on the, we were on the side <laughs> celebrating. But yeah, you couldn't, have, you couldn't have written it. Now, I've played actually in the, the Super 3s competition I spoke about there. Amy's played in that since she was maybe 11 or 12. And, and she played on my team and she wouldn't say you know, boo, she, but she's, she's very mature for her age, but still, you know, quiet as, as any kid would be coming into a team like that. But I always remember she used to hit the ball over mid off. And that's such a rarity in women's cricket, let alone for that age group, you know, and she no bother to her and she just wants to hit the ball hard and, and stuff like that. But she's a brilliant athlete. So very good at hockey as well. Like, like most of the team to be fair. And, um, but yeah, she, you can see her grow into herself now the last few years. And even I was in Australia for 18 months during the pandemic and I came back and she's, you know, she's even that bit more outgoing now, but she's, yeah, she's a great girl around the team as well, which is always brilliant. But um, yeah, hitting that century hasn't changed her. She's still, still a, a silent messer in the squad and stuff like that. So that's great to see. And within the squad, um, I guess you played um, football and hockey. Are a lot of the other girls, I guess they have another sport alongside it and it's almost like each sport is fighting for your time sort of thing? Um, yes. Um, like um, at Warda Prendergast that I mentioned there as well, she would have played underage soccer for Ireland as well. 
So it was only, I'd say, 2018, I reckon, where she kind of made that full switch um, to cricket. But I know she loves soccer as well. So that's always kind of there. But I think um, I think she's happy in cricket now. I hope she is anyway. But I know a lot of the girls still play hockey at the weekends. Um, Gabby would have played interprovincial hockey and things like that. Amy does as well. And there is still recreational sport that the girls play. But I do think... Um, certainly we're qualifying for the championship and the game becoming a bit more professional um, but we'll probably have to narrow it down um, just for the one sport or on the off season maybe play a bit of hockey and things like that but... you got some birds there with you we've got builders in our house so i should probably close the window but it's very it's no, it no, started no, off no. cold this morning it was jumper weather this morning and it's actually proper australia weather now so you need the air it's definitely jump definitely here. jumper weather here yeah. yes um so obviously you're in australia um and you know being in australia you've done a lot of umpiring how did you first get into that and I guess where do you want to take it? Um, well I first got into it pretty randomly I just decided to go to Australia and um, Julia Price so she used to play for Australia she did it overseas in Ireland for a while and she was coaching Tasmania so she said does anybody want to come over and you know do a bit of, bit of playing and just whatever kind of experience in Australian summer so I was like yep yeah, I'll do it perfect so when I left, I had a job for maybe seven, seven and a half years um, at that stage. So I left my job um, and went across. So when I came back to Ireland, then I did cricket development officer for my club at the time, Malahide. Um, and part of that was managing the boys under 15s. So I'm sure as, as anybody managing a boys under 15s, they know you've got to get them there, pick the team, make sure the parents are coming, have a score and umpire and score probably yourself. So I ended up umpiring quite a lot um, and I found that I would take it quite seriously and be like making sure that I did things diligently um, and the best for the players and probably enjoyed it more than the coaching. I always felt kind of um, probably wouldn't call it quite anxiety, but I was like always was making sure that everybody was enjoying themselves and realistically that's just not possible um, for the amount of kids that I was coaching. So but yeah, the umpiring really stuck out to me. So. Um, when I went back to Tasmania then the next season um, I asked Cricket Taz if they could train me up properly as an umpire and go through my um, my levels there so they were brilliant actually they they were they sent me straight out with their state panel umpires just for midweek kind of games you know like friendlies and stuff while kids are on school holidays but um, they certainly gave me all their knowledge straight away so that's how I really got into it and then just going back and forth to Ireland I had the opportunity to umpire in both seasons alongside playing so that worked well um, and then where I want to take it um, I mean I enjoy umpiring and obviously it works out while I'm traveling back and forth to Australia because I have the time to umpire as well as, as play but I mean I'd like to take it further once I retire but that obviously depends on you know money and living and that kind of stuff but yeah I've always said like umpiring a World Cup final or a test match would be brilliant. But yeah, that's just a, a faraway dream at the minute. I don't have any particular steps on how to get there at the minute. Whilst I'm playing, playing does come first for me at the minute. So. It's a great way to stay in the game, isn't it? And and I guess there is a tradition, you know, most cricket umpires played at the highest level, played the game at the highest level as well. And uh, if you compare that to soccer where 
generally speaking, the referees have never been professional players um, at all. It clearly it gives you much more um, of an insight. I, I guess my what I imagine Australian um, grade level cricket to be like is is that um, the umpire gets a bit of a hard time. Is that right, or are they all very polite to you? Um, do you know what? I, and I, I've said this recently, but they are they are more polite to me now. That being said, they do give me stick absolutely. <laughs> Um, and rightly so. I always know if they're giving me stick, it's generally my own fault. So you kind of have to take that on the chin. But um, yeah, no, it can be. Certainly in terms of, you know, the amount of sledging in a game and stuff, it's light years com- com- difference to Irish cricket, like the lads would barely say anything to each other. Um, but like it could be nonstop with, and I, you know, I obviously learned along the way and, I, you know, in different ways to manage it and quite often be like, you're too, you know, you step in too early and stuff like that. So the level of expectation <laughs> that they're sledging having is actually, it's quite high amongst the players, but um, yeah, it's definitely interesting. But yeah, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not perfect by any means. So I do get uh, plenty of uh, looks and queries. Has it, has it becoming an umpire, has it changed the way that you treat umpires when you're playing or do you sometimes give yeah. them a hard time as well? Yeah, look, I'm, I, I definitely have my players hat on when I'm playing. I do have a little bit more empathy in certain situations. And um, like I had a call behind the other day um, that I, I thought it was a fine. Like I did think it was out, but like there was a half appeal and stuff like that. And I was, I didn't get annoyed because, sorry, it wasn't given, but I didn't get annoyed because I was like, I can see why he didn't give that because it was a half appeal the bowler I don't think appealed so you know like I probably wouldn't give that just on the appeal alone like because it's you're like okay well that's a bit of a weird decision and women's cricket can be a bit um it's definitely different to men's cricket you could you can't always judge it on the appeal if that makes sense there's Mm. where the guys would you know rub the eyes out of your head to win a game where (laughs) women are a little bit more honest on the pitch so it's definitely definitely different but I, I have a little bit more empathy but that's not to say that I don't I don't get annoyed and so filling out my match reports and um, I'm captain um, in my team here actually at home so I do put some constructive criticism in there as well rather than just they were terrible they missed three LDs and all that kind of stuff rather than just pure anger so I'd say ever so slightly different but not not too much. And talk us through your like wicket keeping helmet situation <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like it. Yeah it's beautiful isn't it? I, I can't it believe not many cool. more people, you know, wear it. I know it's it's um it does the job. When I so when I first started playing for Ireland, I I've actually worn that my whole career. But it's um so I basically kind of just started playing cricket um in my early twenties. As when I met my friend in the college, and I was just like a basically like a fielder. That was all I did. But I loved fielding, so I didn't mind. And then. When I was in my mid-20s, I started keeping and I kept for a few games one season. And then the following season, um, I got asked to go to Irish training just in pre-season. And then I basically made my debut a few weeks later. So it all happened very quickly. Not a lot of coaching, that kind of thing. So when I was wearing my helmet and the ball went down the leg side, I just would dive. I wasn't aware that footwork was the thing then so I know that sounds ridiculous but it just it all happened very quickly and so I'd used to bang my head with the helmet and I'd be like this is ridiculous so that's I just googled the mask and got it basically so that's the reason why I wear it and as you can see I still have this this is my hairstyle so it means I don't have to put my hair into a plait to put on a helmet all the time so 
it's much easier but um yeah it's not very attractive but it's it does the trick <laughs> no I, th I think other keepers need to start using it like it would be great in a, in a world cup to see someone wearing a mask like that i think it'd be pretty cool well the old um jody fields used to keep for australia she wore the the metal version now the one i wear is baseball but she wore um it's an actual cricket one but if nobody if nobody was watching her and started to wearing it, they're definitely not um, wearing it after watching me, that's for sure. So <laughs> and speaking of like World Cups, um obviously Ireland have been to a few qualifiers. Obviously, one in um Zimbabwe got cat yeah, it got cancelled COVID stuff. Mm -hmm. Um that was a whole ordeal to get back, wasn't it? It was quite the ordeal, yeah. Yeah. It was um it was mad. Actually, looking back on it now, I think our, our manager, Beth, to be fair, was absolutely brilliant. She's a star in a crisis, like, and she's always really good. Like, if she had no news for us, she would tell us she'd no news. So we were always up to date with what was happening. But um, we went from, so basically we went one afternoon to say that we might be going home, be ready to leave, but we're not sure. And then the next day going, we're all going to um, the UAE to continue the tournament. Um, but we're not quite sure just you know bear with us so we went training then the next day and then after that training session it, there was I, the ICC did the press release to say that um, the qualifiers had been cancelled and the top 10 were going through to the championship and we're ranked ninth so that included us which was it was a bit bittersweet to be honest you think I think qualifying in that um, manner is just weird I mean I've qualified from you know last ball thrillers and it's just you know euphoric where that's kind of a it's obviously I know how much it means to Irish cricket going forward, but also you don't quite get that of, you know, the the feeling of winning to get that through. So it was a weird, weird feeling. Um, but then, yeah, basically next day, then we had packed our bags and we went via Namibia for we were meant to touch down and go go again. But we ended up um, having to check into a hotel and I think we had a, a pack our bags the night before and load them onto the trucks and then a 4am wake up call to go to the airport and then from there we went to Oman um, and then from Oman to Qatar so yeah that's right so and we actually to be fair we were relatively smooth in our transition um, apart from our bags not coming till about two weeks later and actually Emer Richardson is based in New Zealand um, she literally got her bag about three days ago <laughs> because she had left by the time hers got back to Ireland <laughs> so it got back to Ireland and then had to be shipped so um, yeah I hope there wasn't any bananas in the end of her cricket bag or anything like that. <laughs> pretty grim um, but yeah no it was definitely um, it was definitely an experience but all the girls I have to say I don't remember any tantrums or cheers or anything in any of the airports which is remarkable really um, when you think about it but yeah, we were like, I know that when we left the West Indies, we're still, you know, being being processed in the airport. And I think it was either Qatar or Oman. I'm not sure which, but, you know, we, we had a relatively easy transit um, overall. But um, as I say, yeah, our, our manager, Beth, was absolutely brilliant and, you know, kept us all informed and hydrated and all those kind of things that we needed. Yeah, I mean, you had a really, really good uh, tour in Zimbabwe, didn't you? I mean, the the results, particularly in the in the matches against Zimbabwe, were just uh, fantastic, weren't they? I mean, there was that century by uh, by Amy and all Gabby's performances, but but actually, it shows what a developing side Ireland is in the world game at the moment. Yeah, it is, and it's just one of those. We just need to play more cricket along with every other team, really. 
Um, even the top nations are always crying out for more fixtures. Um, so at least, you know, we are guaranteed some over the next three years. But that series against Zimbabwe was absolutely brilliant. We, we managed to lose the first game somehow, but we were, you could tell we hadn't played an ODI in three years, um, basically. But yeah, we, we certainly came back in, in the in the next three and really we really dominated those games and it, and it was brilliant um, it's certainly with, when you think about the inexperience at that level um, that's that's in the team um, and even our domestic cricket is you know we don't even play a huge amount of 50 over cricket a year so just in lack of experience within 50 over cricket itself so really the, the performance was was phenomenal and we were just getting going and um in Zimbabwe for the qualifiers for a second tour. And I think that's probably the most disappointing thing is we just didn't get to play all our games and we are crying out for fixtures. And I know, I know it ended well in the end, but we were certainly, we were building nicely. We'd, we'd Sri Lanka next who hadn't played a game and we're kind of, let's just say the momentum wasn't with them. And, you know, you, you never know what happens when you go into super sixes then. So yeah, it was disappointing not to get all our fixtures done, but and um, yeah, very pleasing to get that series win in, in Zimbabwe, which which filled us with confidence anyway, going into those qualifiers. So to get more fixtures in, do you think, because uh, I know you played Lancashire a couple of years ago and uh, there were talked about Southern Vipers playing Ireland this year. Do you think if you played the English regional teams, that would be a way to get more more fixtures in? Um, yeah, definitely. And obviously in terms of cost and stuff, it's it's pretty decent. It's only over the water. Um, and, you know, if we get enough facilities here, it could be a, you know, a vice versa type thing, whether that turns into an Ireland A trip or, you know, anybody who needs game time. And I'm sure I'm sure domestic cricketers in England are, are crying out for games as well. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely think why not? I know when we played Lancashire um, in Old Trafford during the summer, like the experience of playing in a big stadium like that, you know, being live streamed, all those kind of things things really help you know just build experience with the girls so um yeah i can't see why not now thankfully with the championship and um, qualification we will have some fixtures but um yeah you can never have too many i think and certainly potentially even in an ireland day to get to get more games into that next tier is definitely an option do you think in the next couple of years we'll see uh more members of the irish team play in you know the wbbr or the hundred um because i think from my point of view, I think it's really important to have players from those smaller nations playing in those big tournaments. Um, I guess to have that experience, and as you said, with playing at Old Trafford, having that experience of playing in a stadium, which I guess normally you wouldn't, you wouldn't really have. Yeah, no, I, I do think so. Um, and I think um, just like Gabby having that opportunity and, you know, us being in such close proximity to potentially go over to the hundred last minute and things like that I think so and then again it's just having that exposure so I know Gabby's been a rookie in the in the BBL and uh, WBBL and obviously Kim we don't we don't want what happened there but um you know it's good to have that exposure um and it's I think a lot of women's cricket is about connections as well it's so who you might meet along the way and just build up that rapport and you notice a lot around the world that girls will go to the same franchises so um yeah, I, I definitely think I definitely think we have the talent. Um, I just think we need to make sure that those opportunities arise. And I think things like the fair fair break tournament as well um, will be a great opportunity for, for our girls to play alongside them and make those connections and put themselves out there. So obviously it, it's pressure to perform in those environments to, to, you know, to get selected for others. But 
that's the nature of professional sport really so and and you want to be playing under that pressure as well so um yeah no i i hope there are plenty playing and there should be plenty playing we certainly have the talent yeah, it seems to me this is a real moment for the women's game worldwide. And actually, it's an opportunity um, for the women's game to be different from the men's game. So the, the powerful teams in the women's game don't have to be the same powerful teams in the men's game. You know, so when we spoke to Roberta, who's captain of Brazil, in, in Brazil, the, the women are professional and the men aren't. And the women's game is progressing a lot quicker than the men's game and I suppose you see with Thailand as well um, that actually it doesn't have to follow the same model you don't have to have the same powerhouses so there's a real opportunity for Ireland there to become I suppose one of the the big teams in the women's game um yeah I think so you know it's all about decision makers and I have to say whoever's making the decisions in Brazil and Thailand are making the right ones (laughs) so you know I'm all for you know promoting women and look men naturally get money along the way like it's it's never going to change in ireland um that they won't be paid but certainly that equity for us would be something that we keep pushing for and there was a time when we'd qualify for every um odi world cup um and be ahead beating the likes of pakistan and the west indies regularly so the only difference that's happened is they've become professional a lot quicker than we have so you're absolutely right in the fact that we can um, we can become one of the big powerhouses however that just keeps keeps taking that financial backing and the only thing now is that they're you know the West Indies and Pakistan are obviously cricket's quite a big sport in both those countries so there's plenty of player base but there's no reason why we can't catch them over the next few years that's for sure. And how do you think um, I, I don't know how to phrase it but I guess how do you make sure that you know children in Ireland are playing cricket as you know like their number one sport and it's not like okay something they've couple of years and then they move to a different sport because I guess it isn't a like common sport or priority sport for children um yeah you're spot on it, it's difficult and you probably see then in, in if you're visiting relations in, in Tipperary it's GAA and, and hurling and camogie down there and there's just no playing you know there's a couple there is a cricket club there but you know, you can't choose cricket over your over your parish, you'd be in big trouble. So it's, it is going to be always a work in progress for Ireland because Gaelic will always exist. Um, however, I think with the professionalization of the women's game in the next few years, if we can attract the players, there's a pathway there for them to professionalism, which doesn't exist for the majority of women's sports in Ireland. So if you know if they I always wanted to play in a world cup and um, I always thought that would be with soccer but I've played in three through cricket um, and I don't re- regret a, a second changing sports at all so um, I don't know <laughs> the exact answer of how to get them in but I think I mean I was able to watch the 100 on domestic tv last year so that's one way you know if you don't see it on tv there's no it's, you don't even think it's an option really you don't if you're not a, certainly not in Ireland it's it's a difficult one just to come by it um, and Cricket Ireland are are doing their best to you know get it out there and get it out into schools and things like that and we've started a chance to shine program and two kind of underage programs to get it out but you know as I said it's you're always up against the likes of GA and stuff like that so I think getting it on TV a bit more is certainly um is certainly um the best way and it does no harm when Ireland does well in a tournament so 
if ourselves as men could put our hand up and and do well in tournaments that won't that go far as well so so you were you played soccer for Ireland and then you gave up playing soccer to play cricket so what was the the reasoning behind that was it is it injury or was it age or, or, or what was the reason <laughs> um no reason just apart from we had qualified for a world cup for cricket it was in 2013 when the qualifiers were in ireland and they expanded to 10 teams and we came third which made us the 10 team that was an unbelievable feeling but i was captain on my club side at the time um, and you know we would have been playing champions league and stuff like that and i still would have been you know in and around the irish squad but I very much uh, lead by example type captain and I, you know, I weed football training three times a week. There's no way I could have made it. And I was like, there's no point in doing it half, halfway. And we were training at that stage, like six times a week for cricket, albeit maybe a gym session, a running session, a skill session, that kind of thing. But I just wanted to go all in for cricket to, to give myself the best opportunity at a World Cup, basically. So that's when I made the decision. I just I knew I knew I couldn't give my my full self to soccer, which I which I'd want to do, and then give myself the best opportunity in for Bangladesh. Yeah. And um, we've spoken about this a few times before, but we really want to go to Australia. Uh, we want to go see an Ashes series. I guess from your perspective as a non-Australian, what are the best places to visit? Yeah, well, I have to say Adelaide. It's, it's just definitely the best. Definitely the best. <laughs> um. Uh, the two places I've lived, I guess Tasmania has been brilliant. Sorry, I'm gonna. I you like if for an Ashes series, you can't not do the Boxer Day test. I think that's a non-negotiable because it's just amazing. I've been there a few times, I have to say, and it's it's just yeah, it's it's exactly what you imagine it to be. Um, but yeah, if you're just um, obviously the Adelaide test um is brilliant, and Adelaide is great for a visit any time of year for any reason either. Um, most of Australia think it's backwards and boring, but actually it's a lovely quirky place and the beaches and sunsets are amazing. So um, Sydney test will probably rain, so you could probably just go visit um, <laughs> visit the Opera House and then head on. But yeah, um, and I have to say Tassie as well. I do love Hobart, very cute city, but um, hopefully they get another Ashes, Ashes test, but who knows. But yeah, definitely, definitely the MCG on Boxing Day and, and Adelaide for sure. Yeah, I hear very good things about South Australia. So yeah, we've had uh, we, we linked up with a, a podcaster there who did some uh, reporting for us on the on the women's ashes, and she was raving about South Australia, saying how good it is. Oh, so we definitely want to see yeah, see yeah, South no, Australia. Yeah, and it's fringe fringe time of year as well. So um, Adelaide has the original fringe. That's where it all started. So there's plenty of shows on the minute and good vibes. So it's it's a lovely city. Yeah. Mary, it's been great to speak to you. You know, we are family after all. We are. I can't believe it. That's good. I'll have to tell my dad now. He'll be, he'll be looking at the family tree. He'll be googling it. <laughs> and uh, and yes, and all those. So when when you're back in the northern hemisphere, um, I am flying on the 11th of March. So pretty soon, um, because we have um potential World Cup qualifiers. Although I reckon they're going to be moved, but we've fitness testing and maybe a camp in Spain so you know all the tough things that we get to <laughs> brilliant well thank yeah. you so much for your time and enjoy the rest of your time in uh, in Australia and uh, you never know we might see um, 
England play Ireland in the next few years. That would be amazing. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. And definitely check out Pembroke Cricket Club when you're in Ireland the next time. It's a great little spot. Watch the cricket on the wall. We'll do that. We'll do that. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Lovely to meet you both. Yeah. And you, Mary. All the best. Cool. Cheers. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was brilliant. That was very, very good. Our thanks go um, to Mary. What yeah. a great guest. And our first Irish cricketer. Um, yes, professional um, cricketer. Yeah, and hopefully many more to come. Uh, so next week we have another guest. Mm. We have Catherine Dalton. Another Irish cricketer. Yeah, so Catherine isn't... Well, she didn't sound Irish. <laughs> She's from London. <laughs> from London. <laughs> Um, however, she played for Ireland for a few years back in, I think it was 2015, 2016 mm-hmm. sort of time. Um, but she has also played domestically in England and she is a very good coach. Yes, fast bowling coach and yeah. she's based in Essex. Um, and uh, yeah, she's, she was great to talk to. Wasn't she, she was so good, very funny. Um, and so come back next week because it is definitely an episode you do not want to miss. In the meantime, though, you can follow us on Instagram at North Child Podcast. YouTube and TikTok are also North Child Podcast. And our Twitter is Podcast, where we've been doing um, every single day for Women's History Month, we've been picking a different inspirational woman in cricket. Yes, I've been following that. That's been really good. Yeah, Some so, great picks. Yeah, so far we've had... Anna Harris today, uh, we had Sophia Dunkley, uh, Nat Silver and Catherine Brunt, um, I'm trying to think who else we've had, um, Ella Chandler, I've forgotten the rest. Charlotte <laughs> Edwards. Charlotte Edwards, of course. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for the rest of them because that is quite interesting. Um, Roberta. 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 Well, she was the first one, I think we mentioned that last okay. week, so it's fine. Um, but yeah, come back next week for an amazing episode with Catherine Dalton.